Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the question and answer session that followed my talk about the fourth horseman. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live or hit the like, share, subscribe button, the little bell button on YouTube as well. If you're looking to listen to these episodes in a more in an audio podcast format, just look up SNTR Presents on all the podcast platforms. Going to take the first question here from Drippin' Sarcasm. What a name. Says, with this season's weapon and armor synergy, do you see this as a way of making Gambit Prime a somewhat better experience if they were to introduce the same idea? Would possibly make Reckoning worth grinding again? I like where your head's at. I really do. Because conceivably, you could create an anti-invader when... Oh, I like where this could go. I don't like Gambit, but I like where this could go. You could create armor weapon synergies where like I'm going to be the anti-invader. What was the guy's name? The green guy. The um there was the there was the collector. There was the invader. And then there was the I all I can think of is the word reaper. Thank you. So you could have reaper perks where if you're wearing reaper armor or there was the sentry, right? Sentry was the yellow, reaper was the green. So if you're wearing reaper armor and then you're running a gun, a gambit weapon or a reaper weapon, that weapon could maybe get wall hacks when you ADS to anti like be like the anti-invader person maybe increase damage against an invader to mitigate some of the uh, some of the overshield there could be something there I mean you don't you got to be careful that could get a little convoluted and a little confusing but that would be kind of nice to say oh this this fully stacked invaders coming in and shutting down our bank and we're getting drained. I think some of that needs looked at from a mechanical standpoint. Like the logistics of Gambit Prime with the invader armor set's kind of stupid. Um, oh, Sentry was the anti-invader and bank guard. Sorry, I've got, I have it backwards. In any case, you get the idea, right? If you're wearing that armor set and using the guns, you could have things to be the antithesis to invasion. I gotta run this weapon, I gotta run this armor set, and I can see them, maybe I can see them through walls pinged every once in a while. I'm not, it's not an active wall hack, but like, oh, ping, they're over there, they're over there. Um, and then maybe increase damage. Again, I think the danger with Gambit becomes it's match made and that requires so much thought and organization. Now it feels like you're building almost like a trials version of Gambit where if you don't go in stacked and hyper organized and you complement each other, you're going to have a hard time. When we were shoutcasting Lumi, Lil Sonic and Vince on the split screen desk and you could tell they had done that. Lumi would push middle with the thorn out, and Sonic would go outer lane, look down with sniper. Right? They they had a they had a synergy. They had a build. They had a team composition that led to victory. I the danger here is I love where your head's at, but I'm like you're gonna turn Gambit into like PVE trials where you're only gonna want to go in with four players and have every single person represented, every single weapon and armor synergy going. I don't know. That doesn't seem like. That doesn't seem like something that would that would work. It's 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 like Gambit, right? It sounds good on paper, but I think in the long run it would be it would be fundamentally bad. Split screen for Gambit streamers? No, no. Split screen is a competitive casting desk. I'm gonna be covering Warzone next week, uh, the the new Call of Duty mode. I'm gonna be covering that and trials. I have no interest in covering Gambit. There were all those people that got all excited about doing a Gambit tournament and it arguably just wasn't very good. It wasn't enjoyable to watch. I just really don't think Gambit makes for good viewing or competitive environment. 
I, I just, I really think Gambit is so, so subpar. I know I beat up on Gambit, and I know people are like, why all the hate on Gambit? Man, Gambit is just not in a good place. I would never cover that on split screen. Fortress Wailed. It'd be a minor quality of life update, but how would you feel about a system where we can save presets of loadouts? We had a question like this yesterday, or might have been the day before, where... I think it was Parasito asking about mods for particular activities, like mods just for strikes, mods just for Crucible. And I love the idea, but it would require what you're saying, and we kind of arrived at that conclusion. You're really going to need a loadout system if Bungie wants to continue to go down this road of a lot of weapon armor synergy, even if they go that far. Oh, there's Vanguard... There are Vanguard weapon armor synergies. There's Vanguard guns and Vanguard mods that when paired together make strikes and nightfalls like really, really fun and they're really, really effective in the harder nightfalls. That sounds great, but currently I think that might be, it would be so much. You would want to have a really streamlined way of saying, I'm going to do Vanguard, boom, hit this loadout and it like changes your whole loadout. Um, the idea I came up with when I answered Parasito's question was specialization perks for that season. So if you're investing in Zavala and the strike playlist and stuff like that season, you could get perks that are active when you're in strikes. So you don't have to do anything. You don't have to change your armor, your loadout, nothing. Whenever you're in there, you get those perks. Now you could do something like increase critical damage when using a vanguard primary that could be like a seasonal vanguard like specialization perk so you go into strikes and you're like you're going to want to run one of the vanguard primaries that would give you a reason to grind for vanguard primaries that'd be a reason to reinvest in zavala you know and reinvigorate him as a vendor this all sounds awesome right but i don't know if it's in bungie's purview i don't know if they can do it and if they do go down this road i think either my idea with the specializations that reset every season it would almost be like an artifact for activities so it'd be like this sort of overarching you get these benefits in crucible and 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 gambit and 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 vanguard activities and it resets every season because they could and they could really synergize that like this season it's obviously spray meta it's sidearms smgs auto rifles they're getting a lot of love they could they could synergize that right this season the Vanguard specialization stuff, as you're leveling up Vanguard's rank for that season, you could be getting increased efficiencies with those weapons, so when you go into strikes and you're using those weapons for the champion mods, they're also benefiting from Vanguard specialization perks that you're unlocking. So it kind of resemble the artifact and it would be a thematic thing every season where, okay, this season, all the benefits you're going to get in the Vanguard strikes or in Gambit or Crucible are centered around these weapons instead. Um, you gotta be careful. That might get a little, like, too convoluted. You got so many plates you gotta spin and pay attention to. I happen to think the artifact has brought in some good things to the game, but it needs to be iterated upon as well. Maybe they could put some of these ideas literally on the actual artifact to keep it more streamlined. I think you could totally get rid of the glimmer mods. Nobody really cares about them. I think champion mods could become standard on all primaries. They could do that in September and use the artifact for more creative things. Like there could be a lane for Vanguard, a lane for Gambit, and a lane for Crucible on the artifact. If you got rid of some of the lanes that just no one really gives a, just a crap about the reload ones and these, those are nice but really not necessary. The champion mod lane can go away if you make those standard on all primaries. The glimmer lane can go away, and then these final two lanes could be consolidated probably into one lane. So, 
if you do that, you'd have three lanes. You could have a blue, a green, and a red lane that literally give you benefits and perks that are active passively when you're in those activities. That could maybe bring some of what you guys have been getting at, like the idea of like having loadouts, having contextual mods to activities without cluttering up the game where I have to have an armor set for Vanguard, I have to have an armor set for Gambit, and anytime I go into these game modes, I gotta change all my mods around. That can get a little bit much. I liked doing that in Garden of Salvation and Nightmare Hunts. I would go in, I would change all my mods, and I liked being able to do that, but it did start to feel a little tedious. It's like every single time I switch activities, or I would forget, right? I would get into the middle of an activity and I'm like, dude, I'm still running enhanced relay defender, frick. And I'd go and like have to change everything. It'd be nice to have loadouts, push of a button, boom, switch it all. Or as I said, maybe have some passive benefits so you don't have to overthink it every time you're going to go into an activity. Nova hands. Hey, Lono, the bug in zero hour has made it really fun activity to rip through. I know this isn't intentional, but how could Bungie lead into this, lean into this kind of thing? Something similar to daybreak and strikes. What's the, Can someone outline this for me? Um, somebody put this in chat a little bit earlier today. There is a bug in zero hour and, you know, folks have been telling me about it. What exactly is the bug in zero hour? What is it? What does it do? Because I've not actually gone in there in a really, really long time. And the... People were people were mentioning it. I think it was yesterday in chat. Um, enemies aren't scaled to your power level. Oh, you do a ton of damage to everything. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, um, yeah, now I understand your question. So like a daybreak kind of thing. I've got two rants, you know, that I want to go on. Two soapboxes. The one soapbox is the negative modifier soapbox that I get on all the time. Like, they need to cut the negative modifiers in half and then start to add modifiers that help us, whether it's a daybreak or a specialist or a, or a small arms. Um, so that soapbox is one that I'd love to get on. And I, I can make my point really easily by going to the 1060 Grandmaster Nightfall. There is literally a modifier called Prime Modifiers that has five modifiers in one they literally have added so many negative modifiers that they had to put five in one i mean it this is a little this i honestly feel like this is laughable it it, you 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 you're putting so many on that now to make it a little less painful to just sort of glance at you hide five in one extra shields match game locked loadout extra champions join in progress disabled is all shoved in to one modifier so when I read your question, that's the first thing I think of. Dude, endgame content mod- negative modifiers is just getting freaking absurd. Absurd, okay? And the reward is a better drop rate on Ascendant Shards. Ooh, sign me up for a 30 power delta with so many negative modifiers you had to shove 5 into 1. And I'm going to slog through that for a better drop rate on Ascendant Shards. I just, what in the world? Who, who dreamt that up? It's awful. So that's the one soapbox I want to get on. Can we start to get something that's a little bit more fun, that's a little bit more risk-reward? If you run a certain build or you run a certain loadout, it's going to be high damage, but it's going to be risky. Maybe some glass cannon-style gameplay. You know, you're really, really strong, but you're at the same time, you got to be careful because so is the enemy. Right now, it's it's completely the opposite. It's like there are so many negative modifiers we're, we're, we're hiding, you know? Um... You slog one time for a title? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, for a title. I I just, I can't see it. I just can't see it. So, for me, 
when when you're like, oh, zero hour, daybreak, that's the first thing I think of. What did I say when they brought back, when they brought back the the fourth horseman? What did I say? I said, do you guys remember when it was Arkburn, Specialist, and Airborne? Oh, that was so fun. Man, bring back those days, bring back those times. I mean, I remember a specific modifier combination just by the fourth horseman showing back up what are we doing like what what, modifiers should be about modifying your loadout not modifying the encounters to make you miserable so i would love to see a lean in this direction go back down the route of you're gonna be really really strong and guess what you're gonna need to be really really strong because so are the enemies it's it's so lopsided right now and as soon as you type this question up that's the first thing i think of um, the other thing they could do to be just more fun, low-hanging fruit would be to test some of these ideas out in the strike playlist first. The strike playlist doesn't really matter nearly as much. It's not aspirational. So they could bring back some of the sauce and some of the fun daybreak, you know, uh, small arm specialist. They could bring some of that back in strikes first as an experiment. But I am going to continue to bang on this drum. If you want me, now they're not targeting me, but I'm just going to argue for me because I think people resonate with what I'm saying. If you want me to engage with your aspirational content, then stop turning me into a low health, can't move chump. I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. It isn't invigorating. It isn't fun. It's, it isn't. That's a good take. You're an overpowered guardian, so make it hard. We modify you down. Right. It's like, why not empower me to be strong and be like, you're going to need this strength. You're going to need to be this strong. These modifiers are going to make you feel godly, but you better watch it. You're going to get your head taken off because the enemies are really strong too. I just, yeah, it's like some weird Dark Souls version of Destiny where you're just, you're getting one tapped and you're just sitting and hiding. It's just so unappealing. I'm sorry. This is how it feels. You, you gear up, you get strong, you're, you're ready to go into, into the challenging stuff. And then you don't feel strong and you don't feel geared up. I want to make a parallel. A lot of times when people are conditioning themselves to be really, really fast, they will run with weights on, they will swim with weights on, they will run with a parachute on their back. Why are they doing this? To build up their strength, to build up their endurance, to to hurt like break down you know their stabilizer muscles so that they're they're incredibly fast off the jump. They like they want to be as fast as possible. They're beefing up to be as fast as possible. Now Imagine them doing that and then stepping onto the landscape of their race or their sport or whatever they've been prepping for and being like, hi, welcome. You have spent all this time preparing for the ultimate challenge. Uh, We're going to put heavier weights on you and it's going to be really, really tough and really unenjoyable. Like, now, wait a minute. I already did all that. Like, we do that in the game. We're under-leveled. We level up. We go into environments where it's kind of tough. We're kind of trying to get there. You're kind of climbing the power ladder. And then when you get there, you should feel a sense of almost like arrival. Our sense of arrival and strength is only really felt in, like, the public space and strikes. I go into the end game when they want to make it aspirational, and I just end up feeling like a chump. I'm like, "You're you're just draping me in weights. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, raids, uh, Garden of Salvation raid and the dungeon, I think were two good examples of challenge. I think contest modifier is in a nice sweet spot. Contest modifier, Garden of Salvation is one of my more memorable feelings of being slightly under and challenged, but I didn't feel like a chump. 
Um, Nightmare Hunts at 980 when we were seeing swords and going for time trials. That felt really good too. It was like, okay, I can't play Reckless, but I'm a threat in here as well. The minute you leave that environment, and truth be told, I think there were too many negative modifiers in 980 Nightmare Hunts as well. I don't think it was as frustrating because Nightmare Hunts are like a 5-10 to minute ordeal. It's not like a strike where once all those negative modifiers on there, you're in there for over 10 minutes. It's a little bit longer. Um, For me, that's, that's how I'm wired. Now, I'm not asking for the game to be built for me, but when I think about end game content in Destiny, that's where I always go. Make it fun while being challenging as opposed to the opposite. Now, somebody might reply and be like, but Lono, so many people, there are people that like that. They love you to stack up the negative modifiers. They love to take their time and go slow, and they think that's really fun and challenging. I happen to think those people are a minority within a minority. I think within the hardcore community, most people don't think that way. They're not like, yeah, dude, I'm a hardcore gamer. I love playing the hard con- content in Destiny, and please stack on like 15 negative modifiers so I have to hide in a b- behind a box and, um, I have to hide in a box. I have to stand in a well. I have to stand in a rift. I've got to, I've got to hide the whole time. I, to me, to me, I think that's just going. You're just going too far. It, it's catering to such a small slice of the community. And my question would be is. How often do you see those high-level players going into those environments? The guys that really like to be challenged. How often do you see Glad and Chevy and the boys running in those environments? I don't really see them in there that often. I don't really... I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't feel like it's appealing even to the people that want harder content. It it almost feels artificial because they're just stacking up negative modifiers. I know this is harder to do, but I've also said that I believe the truest forms of challenge and difficulty in Destiny have been when there's a slight power delta, so you do feel a little bit weaker, and they feel a little bit stronger, and you have an increase in mechanical pain, and I've always cited the Light Eater Knights in Oryx as a perfect example of this. I have an extra piece of mechanical pain that I have to mitigate and I do feel slightly weaker, and they feel slightly stronger. I've always felt like that was the best representation of true increase in difficulty not well the negative modifiers there's so many of them we put five in one i mean i i just i i can't point at that that out anymore that, that uh, how absurd that is that it's almost like they know they know it would look silly to have literally four more modifiers here it'd be all the way to it'd be all the way out here to the o and the r as far as like visual space and it's like they know that would look stupid. It would also look stupid in here, right? You'd click on this, and there'd be a, there'd be four. There'd be twelve total negative modifiers. It's like <laughs> you would look at them like, "Are you kidding me?" So they hide them. Like they're literally hiding five and one. It's almost like they know how absurd it is, so they're kind of trying to sneak sneak it past you. I don't know. Glad and Chevy usually come up with their own modifiers to make content challenging. Yeah. Hockey Dan, I have seen the sentiment in D1 was much better than D2. A lot of people in the community, what do you think D2 does much better than its predecessor? I think the rhythm of content is significantly better. I think we get content at a better rhythm in Destiny 2 than we ever did in Destiny 1. I feel like Destiny 1 had bigger droughts, um, especially when we got into the Rise of Iron era. There weren't just droughts, it was thin. The live team basically took over and it was like, that's all you got. People that are like, bring back Activision. I'm like, do you remember Destiny 1? 
do you remember Destiny 2 vanilla the first year? That was all under Activision. The only people that people are bringing up basically people are remembering the last year with Activision and they're acting like that was the standard in Destiny every year and it freaking wasn't. So I know we look at that last year. We look at Forsaken. Oh, Forsaken was great. And then we got Scourge of the Past. And then we got Crown of Sorrow. And we're like, oh my gosh, what a great year. So much, so many raids. Oh, oh, I miss Activision. It's like, that's one year out of five. Like, how many years spent with Activision? You got one year that you're going to like act like that's like your triumphant year. That, oh, we, I miss Activision. I mean, look at the years in D1. They were shaky at best. We had King's Fall, nothing. April Update, nothing. Rise of Iron, nothing. Age of Triumph, nothing. And April Update and Age of Triumph were poultry compared to the seasonal offerings that we get now. The rose-colored glasses discussion is always funny to me. I'm like, do you remember the quantity and substance that we got back then? It's like, I literally have a video. It's in November. It's roughly a month after Taken King landed, and I'm telling people to take a break because people got a month out from Taken King, the most hailed time in Destiny 1's you know, history, and a month in, people are like, I got nothing to do. And it's like, yeah. And if you go back then, remember, not only did a month after Taken King you had nothing to do, you had nothing on the horizon. No new season in the winter, no new season in the spring, and no new season in the summer. You had the April update. Like... Again, I I was harsh about the Activision thing. I was like, if you think we'd be better off with Activision, I I genuinely mean that that's a dumb thing to think. I was like, you're dumb. And people are like, you shouldn't insult people, but it's like, come on. That's a dumb thing to think in light of the history. You have one year you're going to act like that's that's the standard. That's the norm. No, it wasn't. Forsaken all the way to opulence was not the norm that was like one banger of a year that we did get with activision but you have to consider we were going to continue to see depreciating returns from that result because every single time they had to meet a deadline we got bad launches it was a flat tire it's like boom all oh, this launch sucks and then the tire rolls around you're like oh things are so much better now and guess what would have happened the flat tire would have come back around it would have hit and people would be like what the frick man this launch sucks and it's like yep because Activision was going to hold them to contract deadlines that they were not going to be able to meet and we were going to get another bad launch or no Destiny 3 at all I just don't think people understand. I think people, I understand that people miss High Moon Studios and Vicarious Visions. I miss them too. Vicarious Visions did amazing work for the franchise. There was a time where I actually thought Bungie was going to sell Destiny to Activision and pivot to a new project, and then they were going to leave everything in Vicarious Visions' hands. I even envisioned Vicarious Visions acquiring and absorbing significant portions of Bungie. Like I thought that was going to happen. I was like, "Man, VV is killing it. They do such a good do- They do such a good job with the intellectual property of Destiny. You could just tell they 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 were ga- they. You could almost feel like they were fans of Destiny the way they built it a lot of the times. You could tell they played." And I miss them too, but I think that you're, you can't sell the game down the river just so you can get a little bit more content every year. I think the game is going to be in better shape long term now that we're not under those contractual deadlines. We have no idea what would have happened, if at all, with Destiny 3. If they would have, if they would have kept, uh, kept up the relationship and the contract uh, with Activision. We need a studio to supplement. I don't deny that. I don't deny that it'd be really nice if 
all the money Bungie's been making, it seems like they're doing very well from some of the reports we've seen. Spend some of that money and outsource. Um, they probably can't hire VV. Activision probably wouldn't be okay with that. They own VV. Uh, Kakita. Is there any hope for ramen coupon holders since they put a ramen vending machine in the hallway behind Zavala's office? I That's just probably them being cheeky. I don't think that's ever going to turn into anything. Uh, is I don't know what that name is. What's your idea of aspirational content? To me, the best forms of aspirational content are the ones that you build up to. And the examples that I always give are Normal King's Fall to Hard King's Fall, Normal Wrath of the Machine to Hard Wrath of the Machine. I felt like those were the best versions of aspirational content. And an example I argued for recently when I said bring back hard raids is I said this. This September in 2020, picture in your mind a raid that you run and you get a bunch of dope loot. And if Bungie does does right by us and they introduce sunsetting while also introducing really good loot in the raid, end game aspirational quality loot, right? Best in class loot. A year later, that, that those guns would be set up to be sunset. However, a year later, 2021 in September, that raid would be introduced and you could take all those guns into normal mode. They would be strong enough to do the normal raid, okay? But hard mode hard mode would be too high power level for those guns to be viable so you would be running the normal mode of the raid to gear up for the hard mode you'd need the new power levels they might have intrinsic perks like um oracle disruptor do things like that to where you're gearing up for the hard mode and the hard mode is like where we had with wrath and king's fall a slight increase on the delta so you do have to level up and gear up for it uh you could use contest modifier so it's more challenging I think hard mode raids should just always have contest modifier on and then you increase the mechanical pain and I had a reason to grind for all the new raid guns. My year old raid guns were respected because they felt good and strong in the raid for normal but once I geared up for hard I left them behind and started using the new raid guns. It's sort of a a passing of the baton. A passing of the torch uh, as it were. I think that would be a great way to structure aspirational content. You come into it feeling like your old aspirational loot's being respected, you use it, you start gearing up for the new mode that's coming out like a month later or whatever, and now you got all the new raid gear, there's some intrinsic perks, they're really, really awesome, because Luke Smith's making it sound like with sunsetting they can do that, because they know the guns will have limited viability in the end game, and then hard mode can be truly aspirational endgame content where they didn't have to structure that around the year old raid weapons you've got all the new raid weapons there's intrinsic benefits like oracle disruptor ship that like that would be such a perfect way to build raids to feel aspirational again as opposed to here's a raid it's it's contest modifier for 24 hours then you're going to find the meta then you're going to use you know really old weapons like Ikalos shotgun to just blast through content like we did in last wish or Izanagi's burden just blast through content in garden of salvation and it's a joke two weeks later to most of the hardcore raiders now i'm not saying they're too easy what i'm saying is normal mode could always kind of hang out into the in the in the area of once you have it figured out it's not that challenging you're mainly just grinding for the gear and if hard mode always has contest modifier on with increased mechanical pain like light eater knights you've got a winning combination you you don't have to go run hard if you don't want to now obviously you would put loot in there for people to want to chase 
I don't know. That to me feels like a return to the era of what was the best aspirational content in Destiny was I think the best is always going to be normal to Hard King's Fall. I think the best raid will always be Wrath unless they do something crazy this September, but King normal King's Fall to Hard King's Fall was perfect because they built hard first and then they dialed it back for normal. So I believe that's what Bungie should aspire to go back to. That I believe that is the paragon of raid design. Build hard first and then dial it back for normal. And then throw contest modifier on top of it and that is freaking chef's kiss. Like that is endgame aspirational content. Stacking on 12 negative modifiers to the point that you have to hide 5 of them in one modifier, that is not aspirational Destiny content. That is just a freaking kick in the face. That's not Nobody wants to do that. When your nightfalls are structured in a way that they're harder than any raid I could even imagine we've ever played, I believe you've made a mistake in endgame design. <laughs> like the, When I look at a 1060 Grandmaster Nightfall, I'm like, that's harder than any raid I've ever played. That sounds harder than Last Wish when it was delted. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> it looks, this looks terrible. Uh, Mango with the juice. Why, out of all the weapons, do you think that they would bring back the fourth horseman? I think it will only be treated like a close range Izzy. Well, what I said in my video was it feels built for the content we're in now. The public tower event and the legendary lost sectors and the bunkers, I think it'll shine in those environments. You're in tiny places and everything's right on top of you. I, I don't know. I think, I think it's the best time to bring it back. It makes more sense where we are now than it would have been Sundial. Sundial, we had a lot of plate standing, so stuff was far away. Um, the I'm trying to think of some of the other things we did. Vex Offensive was kind of similar. You were kind of far away from stuff. Menagerie. I don't know. The combat style of legendary lost sectors in the public event space seems perfect for the for the fourth horseman. So if you guys are new to the stream and enjoying the show, it's like an interactive podcast. We pick a topic. We're in a Q&A session right now. It's also family friendly. It's very easy to lurk and listen to this channel. You don't have to worry about what I'm going to say. Click the follow button and turn on notifications. That's a great way to support what I do. Stick like weapon. Sorry for being off topic. What do you think having different instances that you could select for public spaces to create kind of an in-game LFG? Each instance would allow open comms and chat. You could pick up one like an LFG raid. I don't understand what you're talking... This is in the game right now. You can go into an instance and message people if you're trying to gear up. You can walk around the tower and try and message people according to their power level, right? Look for people to raid. I mean, I know people do that. So I'm not really sure I understand the question. Having different instances that you could select for public spaces. Oh, so you would select it knowing it's an LFG instance. Is that what you mean? Like, I'm going to pick the instance of I'm looking for group instance. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the people that would do this would likely already be using another source for finding people to play with. I don't know. You're already in the instance with folks and you can send them messages anyway. I doesn't seem like we need it. How do you get the catalyst? Either farm the legendary lost sector or farm the the public event. Zorion. If your speculations are true and Weapons 2.0 will be released in September, do you think exotics will be affected as well? And can we see maybe see hints of these exotics we have right now? Um... I think they're laying the groundwork for exotics to either have intrinsic champion, you know, champion perks on them, or 
a champion mod slot. I think that's what some of this is about. Whether it's you look at the Divinity, Leviathan's Breath, uh, or the Ariana's Vow, or the Devil's Ruin. To me, it feels like they are trying to get to a place where exotics do have the uh, the champion perks on them. This is potentially in preparation for it. Weapons 3.0? No, Weapons 2.0 will likely be the term they use. They never referred to Forsaken as its Weapons 2.0. It was a restructuring of the weapons and an in- introduction of random roles. But that was more of a, revers- a reversion back to what we were doing in Destiny 1. Nobody referred to that as Weapons 2.0. Armor 2.0 is a term that came around during Shadowkeep a year later, and in the questions and interviews that they had, Luke Smith did not correct anybody. He took questions about Weapons 2.0. I know people like to get kind of finicky about this, like, it shouldn't have been Borderlands 3, it should have been Borderlands 4. Oh, shut the frick up, right? <laughs> like, come on, it's Borderlands 3. Like, it'll. I think, I think, I think Weapons 2.0 will be the term that people would use, just because it would make sense. It's like... Forsaken had mods 2.0, but not weapons 2.0. Well, I think people look at Forsaken and think that's when they brought back random rolls and got rid of double primary. And in people's minds, that was like weapons 1.0 was the first year. Weapons 2.0 was Forsaken. Armor 2.0 was Shadowkeep. So this would be weapons 3.0. I totally understand the logic, but for clarity's sake, I don't know if they'll use that terminology because... That's not what they said back then. They never said weapons 2.0. They said we're we're going to bring back random rolls. We're going to bring back, you know, uh we're going to get rid of double primary. I mean, they didn't get rid of it, but you know what I'm saying. They went back to being able to have a shotgun in the secondary slot. So, 2.0, 2.0. You know it's like interchangeable, you know. The point of language is to convey something, and if you're understanding my meaning, then there's no reason to get persnickety about me saying 2.0 or 2.0. Uh, the reason I've had more than 20 runs so far and no catalyst shouldn't every rare drop have drop protection by now um you know I I can get behind this for certain things and this would be one of them not everything needs drop protection some things I think just need um well no I don't know I, I want to be careful. Yeah, everything that's rare should have draw protection. I don't want to say something that's sweeping, because then somebody will leave a comment or say something in chat, like, but Lono, what about this? And I'm like, okay, yeah, not that. So I don't think you want draw protection on everything, but I do think on a catalyst for a specific weapon that comes from a specific place, I would love there to be draw protection. I never went back and got Sleeper Catalyst. I never went back and got Telesto. I tried a couple times and didn't get it, and I was like, forget this. I just gave up. The catalyst are good, but they're not that good for me to just do that every week. I don't want to run super old raids for a low drop rate item. And if it had drop protection, drop protection does something too. In those instances, like the catalyst for sleeper and the catalyst for um, Telesto, drop protection, ironically enough, probably would have had me trying for a longer point. Right? Does that make sense? It would have sort of been like this twist of you didn't get it, but that means your chances are better next time. Like, you see what I'm saying? Draw protection is almost intrinsically winsome. You're like, yeah, I might as well try next time. I've, I haven't got it three or four or five tries now, so it's going to get better. It's almost like poking you with a tiny little, you know, a little bit of an addiction. Like, hey, you'll get it next time. Come on, keep trying. Keep trying. You almost got it. Um... I don't know, just sort of stabbing in the dark, like, oh, eventually I'll get it, I guess. You know, 50 runs for the Anarchy or whatever the frick. Like, I don't know. I think drop protection 
needs to be considered in more areas. Uh, raid weapons would be good for this. Raid exotics, catalysts. You shouldn't have people running a raid 50 to 60 times before they get it to drop. If you're going to make it take that many times, then let us run raids like people are running flawless. You know? You did 50 runs, though? Right, but think about it. It's not the 50 runs that are a problem. It's the amount of weeks it takes to get to 50 runs that is the problem. If I could run nine raids a week instead of just three, that 50 runs is not that big of a deal. I'm going to hit it in the second month of the, of the, of the season. There was 48, get it right. I freaking swear. I'll time you out, Dr. Gene 8. I'm just kidding. So, do you, see, do you see the point? If I could do a couple each day and get nine or ten runs in a week, I'm going to hit 50 runs in the second month of the season of that, of that raid. That's totally reasonable. It's not the 50 runs. It's the fact that I can only try three times a week. I love that they're letting people go flawless and keep opening the chest as many times as they want because that to me is the perfect runway lights to be like, alright Bungie, you did it for trials, do it for raids. Let us run raids as many times as we want. Period. There's no reason to not. If you go back to static roles or even really, really specific curated roles that smack of like that, ooh, it's like a it's like a real special version of the gun, you know, it's curated or whatever. Like, even if you go back to that, as long as you got good drop rates in there, so I'm not getting everything the first week, you know, they won't do that. I think they will. I think their philosophy about loot has gone through so many changes. You can't say that definitively. Oh, they won't do that. Are you serious? Look at weapon frames. Look at the look at the Empyrean restoration. Look at going flawless and being able to open the chest as many times as you want. Just keep going flawless. They are clearly changing their philosophy about loot delivery. People will blow through the content even quicker. You can't even say that because they're doing it right now in trials. So your statement feels like a like a dinosaur in the room. It's outdated. It's not accurate anymore. They're literally doing it right now for trials. Now Think about how this would work in raids. This is freaking brilliant. A rotating loot pool in raids. And then you can have a bigger loot pool. You could think of that would be great. A rotating loot pool. Oh, first instance. Yeah, this week it's uh, boots and a shotgun. All right. Next week it's, uh, yeah, it's gauntlets and a sidearm. Yep. And so the, each encounter rotates. So then it's fine for you to play a bunch that week because you can't get everything. That's the reason that they're doing it in trials. Trials equals nightfall ordeals. No, no. Iron Banner is, is if you look at the hierarchy of the game, trials are equal to raids. They're not equal. They're not equal to uh, nightfall ordeals. No, absolutely not. They're equal to raids. It is the pinnacle activity that requires a team, no matchmaking. You gotta go in and be super, super organized. I believe that trials and raids are far more equal. Historically, what you're saying just doesn't line up. Because raids had synergistic perks and Wrath of the Machine, and trials had adept weapons. They're far more equal to each other historically in the game. Trials and raids are far more of a, of a parallel, a functioning parallel to each other historically in the game than Nightfalls. Nightfalls don't light nightfall ordeal doesn't even have specific gear. It's literally just a currency grind. So to me, to me, I think the runway lights are on. You can rotate the raid loot once a week, you know, every week the way they're doing with trials. So I can't get every single thing in one week. And then I can run it as many freaking times as I want. And that's perfect, right? Oh, I finally got a god roll pair of gauntlets. Okay, now I'm good on my gauntlets. I'm going to keep going until I get the god roll and the shotgun. And then the next week, there's different things dropping from that first encounter. 
I, I think that would be a perfect system. And that just keeps more people playing. Like, why not let people play more? I, I don't know. I did structure the content so people keep playing. That's a terrible system. I wholeheartedly disagree with you. They're doing it in trials right now, and it would be far better than what what they're doing with raids, where it's you run it three times, and then you're basically done. And with the RNG on stats and, and rolls on guns, they soften the blow a little bit on guns because there's only four perks per lane instead of six or whatever it is, six or yeah, six, isn't it? So they they decrease the 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 amount of rolls in the in the in the possibility pool, but it's still it to me. Historically speaking, this is how I make the argument. Historically speaking, the reason that they limited raids to three per week is because it was a power grind. The only way to hit max level was to run Vault of Glass. Now, they do the same thing. What do they limit to weekly? Power grind. Your milestones and your pinnacles are all weekly. The only activity in the game right now that doesn't let you keep grinding it for rolls or for another one or for a better one is a raid and there's no reason for it. They're letting you go flawless as many times as you want in trials and you can run a you can run the sundial as much as you want, you can run the frames as much as you want, you can run the um, strike specific loot, the nightfall as much as you want. Literally, it doesn't even make any sense now. It's the it's the greatest outlier of loot chase. It's the greatest outlier. Nothing now. Trials has completed the circle. The circle is now complete. Everything in the game lets you just keep doing it over and over and over and over again. And the only thing that doesn't is a raid. That's backwards. It's backwards, especially in a game with random rolls. They brought random rolls now. You also have to remember that in D1, they had static rolls on everything. There was marginal differences on the King's Fall loot, and it was all static rolls. So even in that system, it made more sense. It was like, well, once you get the gun, you're done. Of course we're going to limit you. Now it's like, how many different versions of a gospel are there? How many different versions of that, you know, the Raid Rapid Fusion are there? It makes way more sense in this system with random rolls, and they didn't have stat rolls like that on the, the gun, the, the armor back then. You had six stat lanes on an armor piece. Of course I should be able to grind for it all week. Easy Wolfshade. Why do you think they don't add adept weapons to trials? I basically made an argument where I paralleled it to Titanfall. When Titanfall landed, it only had five weapons and people criticized it for that, but it was rock solid and super balanced. It was a, it was a, an amazingly balanced game and it ran really, really smooth. I think in Bungie's mind, they wanted to get a really rock solid launch for Trials and Adept Weapons was probably a little, a little, maybe they weren't super confident, you know, maybe they were experimenting with Adept Weapons and they weren't really sure if it was going to throw off the meta or be too strong. So they're like, let's shelve that for another time. I happen to believe according to Luke Smith's director's cut, there will be a time where Trials gear in the lighthouse will be better and more distinct. I, I believe that. I trust him when he says that starting in year four, they want to refuel aspiration. They want to create legendary weapons that are the best in their class. Um, from aspirational sources and to me it doesn't get a whole lot more aspirational than a flawless run so hey what's good smirky uh, cataclysmic do you think fourth horseman will still kill a titan in his bubble in what do you, oh you think in, in pvp I have no idea homie try it out and see how it goes for you report back ginger 300 do you think that the quest would have been more interesting if it just dropped in the game with no trailer um, I don't know. I mean, this is just so. This is a woulda, shoulda, coulda question. Should have they, should have they done this? If they would have done that, would it have been better? It's just such a woulda, shoulda, coulda. I, it's so hard to know. I think they're just trying to promote what's happening. Here's a trailer. The trailer was actually pretty awesome. 
you know, it's $10 content and they're making it look good. That's kind of what they need to do, right? They need to make their content and their their uh, their game look dope. D Gamist. Off topic, with the idea of slot leveling being mentioned in here multiple times, I was wondering if you would like for it to be account-based or character-based. Character-based. Uh, as it stands right now, weapons can be transferred from character to character, but you can't benefit from the armor's power from character to character. Um... Yeah, this is a good question. Slot leveling would get a little complicated because what do you do if I get a 980 primary and it makes that slot 980, it levels up that slot and then I can take that to my other characters. It's that way now. It's that way now. That's the way the game views you. The game views you as if slot leveling were true. If I hand down three weapons to my 960 warlock or where he is we'll call him 960 if I hand that down to him it views him as if all of his weapon slots are 980 like it literally views him that way anyway it's it, the game intrinsically is already working as if slot leveling were true with the way that it gives you loot it's just making it harder for you to use what you want it is a comp- I'm telling you right now infusion needs to go it is a completely wasted and unnecessary system it is not needed anymore right now my character can be 986 that's great for the public space and that's great for the thousand night the the, the the 1000 level legendary law sector but you want to know something i have i have to basically either infuse a bunch of stuff or i can't be 986 I can't be 986 in the Legendary Lost Sector unless I just waste a bunch of infusion stuff. So it's like, I am 986. I've earned 986, but I'm going to go into a thousand level content and I, I have to infuse a bunch of random guns. It's like, well, I was doing the public event and I infused my Recluse and my Wendigo, but in this environment, I really want to use Ariana's Vow and my Loud Lullaby. And when I'm not in there, I don't want to be using the, 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 the Ariana's Vow and the Loud Lullaby. What? So, you see what I'm saying? You're adding all these extra steps. Welcome to Destiny. Congratulations on hitting 986. Oh, you want to go run that content? Oh, you want to run it with the loot that you think is best for it? Yeah, well, hopefully you have a bunch of currency to level up individual items. You know? I'm a little cross-eyed from looking at all these spreadsheets. (laughs) You while you're working from home? Yeah, I don't know. And no, it wouldn't defeat the purpose of sunsetting, V-Drown joke. It would, it would work with sunsetting, okay? So, your gun's a year old, and it's a thousand. Okay, you have a gun that's a thousand, it's a year old, and it can no longer go higher than a thousand. That means if you equip it, it pulls that slot down to a thousand. Instead of a thousand fifty, you can't equip it. That's totally allowed. But it gets locked at a thousand. It gets capped. So when you equip it, it pulls that slot down. The same, as the, the same way it would work now. You can't infuse it anymore, so it pulls that slot down. It pulls your level down. Slot leveling would 100% work with sunsetting. So, let's J play. Uh, I'm glad to see such a classic weapon from Destiny return, but what are your opinions about Bungie just recycling old exotics? I think Tommy's matchbook was a great example of what exotic weapons should feel like, but the fourth horseman just feels like recycling. I have, I have consistently said I don't care that they do this. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I think it's totally fine. Dr. Genade. I like that the fourth horseman has a catalyst, but what's the point of releasing the catalyst the same day versus making the catalyst something in aspirational content? 
You know, this is a good question. Yeah, this is kind of a weird way of doing it. Why not even just put the catalyst on it? I don't understand. It's just... It's almost like an epilogue to the quest, kind of. That's what it felt like to me. It's just one more grind. Keep running the legendary lost sector till you get it. Find an area with a ton of enemies and just keep killing them. It was almost like the exotic quest part two, which... As I'm saying that out loud, I'm like, that's actually not that bad. I mean, it's basically two parts of the exotic quest. Well, you got the weapon. Congratulations. Now there's another piece to it. You got to get the catalyst to drop. Once the catalyst drops, now you got to now you got to level up the catalyst. In practice, it might not be that great, but the idea is probably a pretty sound idea. It's like it's like a two-part quest. Appear uh vibes. Can you cover the mods from the sundial that drops insane stats that a lot of people have missed? No, that's not what Q&A is for. Jack-Jack Go-Go, do you think Bungie has fallen into a routine with their exotic quests? These past quests seem to be very similar and not very challenging compared to the D1 exotic quests. You are forgetting the Xenophage and the Divinity. Oh, how quickly you forget them. They're not that far behind us. Five months behind us. Two, complex, involved, unique, awesome exotic quests xenophage literally had its own boss a really cool boss with a with a mechanic that's nowhere else in the game and the divinity had a quest where you had to go into the raid and do all kind of weird wild puzzles you're forgetting so quickly those are more complex than the exotic quests we got in d1 you know and we don't even know there's a slug thrower somewhere in this game homie there it's not even in the game yet it hasn't even been data mined we just saw it in the trailer there is an exotic cabal slug thrower that we don't know where it is yet are you going to try you're, okay so you're comparing to D1 I don't think you can compare the whisper quest or the outbreak quest to D1 man we got some great exotic quests in D2 some really great quests you're really glossing over a lot of great things they've done in D2 with, with exotic quests I have always said this I've always said this exotic exotic quests and exo- obtaining exotic items is all over the place right they just handed people Tommy's matchbook they just handed people Ariana's vow that's kind of crazy right especially Ariana's vow it's like really useful and then Devil's Ruin was like wasn't even really a quest and then this one's a little bit grindy and then Bastion was pretty basic and pretty straightforward but it was hidden inside a crazy puzzle then you had Thunderlord and then you have Divinity and then you have Xenophage and then you have so those are like the divinity and xenophage are like end game aspirational quests then you have quests that just show up like the spindle like the um sorry the the whisper and the outbreak there is a there's a gigantic spectrum of exotic delivery in this game so acting like one is the best or the way i, I it's so hard for me to agree with you cuz it's like man they, they they do all kind of different things should every exotic show up like the outbreak well, that's unreasonable. You expect them to make a dungeon for every exotic? They can't do that. Should every exotic show up like the Xenophage and the Divinity? Well, no, that's ridiculous. You got to go into a raid. You got to go into a dungeon and do something and solve some puzzle and kill some boss. You know, Bad Juju. Yeah, Bad Juju was really straightforward. It had its own area. It wasn't too hard. Like, not all exotic delivery is equal. So arguing as if one is better or worse, I get where you're coming from. Sometimes I think you're just, and this is where I'm not dismissing your opinion, but I'm saying your opinion can't be the standard. 
it's totally okay to have that opinion man I really wish exotics were more always like the whisper and outbreak that's totally fine you can have that opinion you can really like those quests but you have to zoom out and be like is that reasonable are they able to do that also you know asking for every exotic to be delivered in that way there's there's not a, there's not really a reason for you to have that expectation. If there's anything Destiny 2 has taught you, it's that not all exotics are equal in the way that you obtain them and in how strong they are. So, I I'm always just kind of like, "Oh, thanks for the exotic. That was pretty cool. Let's play around with it." I, expecting every exotic to be delivered in the exact same way, I just I think you're setting why have that desire? It won't be met, right? Why have that desire? Like this is basic this is like relationship 101 like relationship 101 advice is have ex- expectations that can be met in a reasonable way and speak those expectations into existence but if you get married and you expect every single night to be like i'm going to get home from work and my wife better have a steak ready for me and she better be wearing the outfit that i want her to like you start outlining every night i better get that every single night well that's unreasonable and you're gonna you're gonna why have why form the expectation that will not be met you're just gonna frustrate yourself you're setting your own expectations and when you do that if you know it won't be met why have it why have that expectation you know that's what happens in relationships right you get married get a couple months in and one's like well, that's how we did it in our family. Well, that's not how we did it in our family. And then all of a sudden, boom, you have your first fight. <laughs> and so it's the same It's the same way in video games. Like if you create, and this is why people misunderstand my point when I'm like, it's $10 content. You cannot expect it to be that substantive and that deep. And they're like, oh, so it's $10. So it's allowed to suck. No, that's not what I said. Fallacy of the straw man. Thank you. I'm saying your expectations at going above and exceeding what they can deliver every three months is a total waste of, of energy. Why do that? Set your expectation on something more reasonable. Every three months, we're probably going to get a new activity. It'll be grindy. It'll have a grind attached to it. There'll be bounties. There'll be a, a, a nice little pool of new loot, and that's going to be what we're going to get for $10. But every time the content comes out, people are like, they didn't do anything with the vendors. They didn't refresh the entire game. We didn't get a raid. There's no dungeon. What the frick? Oh, the exotic quest only took a day. It's like, what are you doing? Who are you? Are you not paying attention? Are you not paying attention? There's no reason for you to have that expectation anymore. It's clear what they can deliver every three months. So align your expectations with that. It's like the guy who comes home every night and is like, my wife better greet me with a steak dinner and a six pack on the table and she better be wearing a French maid's outfit every single night. What's going to happen on the fourth night when that doesn't happen? But he keeps driving home and he's expecting that. Better be be tonight. Better be tonight. Why? Why do you expect that? It hasn't happened. So why are you continuing to expect it? It's brain dead. It's psychopathic. Why are you doing that? Right? She's going to leave you, and she probably should, right? So, every season, driving home, being like, this season better have... And then when it doesn't, you're like, see? Look at this. Look at this. Look, it's just, it's just typical Bungie. So disappointing. It's like, you're the crazy person driving home every day expecting something that will never happen. It'll never happen. You're not going to get a raid every season. You're not going to get exotic quests that span eight weeks. 
It just, it, it's, it's absurd. It's so, and that's why I get so impatient with people like that. I'm like, your expectations are nuts. They're nuts. Oh, it's okay to give us crap then because it's only $10, right, Lono? No. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying align your expectations with $10. If you buy sushi from the gas station, what are you going to expect from it? A stomach ache, right? If I buy a steak from the grocery store versus a steak from the butcher shop, there's going to be a difference in quality. When I spend $10 every three months as opposed to $40 once a year, the rhythm of that it's being delivered and the amount of money I'm spending should probably dictate my expectations about the depth of the content. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, it's, that's a long rant, not even addressed at Jack Jack Go Go, but the bun- the exotic quest question is coming up because the same thing happened last season. The the Devil's Ruin just bought, you know, it brought fire and brimstone to the forums and Reddit. It's just like, what are you people smoking? Whatever it is, stop smoking it. It's making you think crazy. It's making you think crazy. Ebonilla with a brand new Prime sub. Enjoy your dope badge emotes and your ad-free viewing. So many subs have come in. I am so sorry. Um, Chando with a year. Big Tibbs with 25 months. Four months from K-Mint. Luke with four months. 15 months from Gritter. Sin the Sniper with 28 months. Meatless with three months. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Hot take. Devil's Ruin Quest is miles better than the Fourth Horseman. And it's good for somebody to say that, Salt Vulture, because I think it's Clintus who's been preaching this. Not everything is for everyone. Sometimes in exotic quests like this, The Devil's Ruin, people be like, well, that was kind of cool. I thought that audio was hilarious. It was kind of cool to go back to that map and kind of walk around and, and have the uh, have the you know the characters making self-referential jabs and humor. A lot of people like that, you know? Oh, they thought that was kind of a cool quest. Not everything is for everybody. I mean, you got to remember that too. There's a, there's a giant spectrum, a giant spectrum in how they deliver exotics. And so whenever this comes up, I try to say that. I'm like, if you have one, like every exotic should come this way, Bungie hasn't created that expectation. You have. So just get rid of that expectation. You, it's, it's, it's insane to continue to hold to an expectation that deep down you know will never be met. You are creating your own frustration, not Bungie, if that's what you're doing. Cess mode. I haven't very uh, I haven't very seriously since Armory update. We're just missing words here. Uh, if I wanted to jump back in, what should I purchase and best way to catch up? Um, you know, this is a tough one. I don't like to tell people what they should or shouldn't buy. People are always like, should I buy it? Is it worth it? I'm always like, this is what it has. You need to make up your own mind. I would say, and this is not me telling you what you should spend your money on, but I feel like Shadow Keep and then this season would go really well together. They would be a good pairing. Shadow Keep's good, great weapons, good stuff in there, and then it would kind of you could kind of lead right into this. If you like Destiny, the hand gestures really brought the point home. <laughs> I get very I get very handsy. Um, I bump the mic all the time. My hands are just flying around. <laughs> it's, it's like I'm an Italian uh, Damon Gaming why doesn't Bungie design these quests to have a mission with mechanics centered around an archetype of a weapon I'm not talking raid level mechanics but how hard can it be to create mechanics for shotguns and other weapons um, 
I know, I need to stop saying that. I say that and I'm like, oh, don't say handsy. That sounds creepy. I just use my... I'm very, I'm very animated. I'm very expressive. <laughs> anyway, um, I've thought for a while they could do something like this with like armor, like visible armor. Um, you could do a... Imagine like you got a cabal and he's got these armor pieces and we figure out or maybe even it says that the armor comes off quicker if you use fusion rifles or shotguns and then there's other type of armor you could do precision armor that has like these little precision points that when you shoot with a sniper it, like falls off I know they do something like this kind of in, like in division and this is why I like champions I think champions could bring this you create a pain point and you're like oh this content has that pain point let me gear up for it so right now it's like, oh, there's unstoppable and there's anti-barrier. Let me bring something for that pain point. So if you're like, oh, this is going to have precision armor in it, I'm going to bring a sniper. This sniper's really, really good for it, and you're hitting those precision shots and their armor's coming off. So that is where I've always thought the depth of the combat, the action MMO of Destiny could evolve into something where then Bungie doesn't have to worry about how do we make snipers better? If we make them too strong, it breaks encounters. You don't have to worry about making snipers better. Give them a purpose. If you give something a purpose, you're you're off to the races. Suddenly people are using snipers and it's really satisfying. Zooming in and hitting a snipe shot and something's armor falling off while your teammate runs up or something, that would be really, really fun. That, that would be satisfying. You don't have to always be like, well, how do we make fusions worth it? How do we make snipers worth using in PvE? Give them a purpose for crying out loud. Armor types, resistant types, things like that to where, again, anti-barrier, unstoppable, and overload, they're, they're kind of in the right direction. But I would take it even further. I'd go even further with it and say, there's going to be enemies in this environment that you want snipers for there's going to be enemies in this environment where fusion rifles are actually really really useful you could do something with armor where fusions overload the armor and it like sends out chain lightning to other people in the area with armor so you're like oh this particular strike has a servitor and he has little baby servitors with him and they're all wearing this armor where i know if i hit him with the fusion rifle it creates this chain lightning overload shock effect and it's really effective it's actually better than a shotgun then you go into another encounter and you're like well the, the, the armor this time around, it's armor being worn by a, a knight. And it's better to use a shotgun on him because it blasts it off easier. And if you use a shotgun, it actually, the, the benefit is that he's stunned afterwards and he takes more damage. Now, I'm just rattling these off the top of my head because I'm thinking along that line of anti barrier overload and unstoppable, when you meet the pain point, there's a benefit. You're not, see the difference? You're not just meeting the pain point and be like, whew, met that pain point. There's an actual benefit. When you stun something and they take more damage, like that feels really good, right? You see that, boom, you know, that ogre kind of like sits there like an idiot for a little bit and you just blast into him. I think that's where they should take the next, like the next iteration of, of PVE pain and depth would be that. So now you would say, what's a good sniper for precision armor busting? What's a good fusion for armor busting? Because they're giving purpose to archetypes and weapon types that are largely ignored. And now you're hunting for a role that you maybe never would have hunted for before. Because they've added purpose to it. Appear vibes. 
Can you cover the mods that drop from Sundial that a lot of people missed? I don't know. You're asking that one multiple times. Waddle79. Would Bungie be able to apply a quick fix to introduce a seasonal mod slot to general loot pool armor like the faction armor? Hmm. I'm going to say no. It's unfortunate. I really think they swung and missed on this. They shouldn't even have brought the faction armor back. I like getting the faction guns. It's exciting when I see them. There's actually some pretty saucy rolls. I got a pretty nice Dire Promise PVE roll just a little bit ago. Uh, swashbuckler with Overflow, Armor Piercing, and a Range Masterwork. Like, that ain't bad at all, you know? And the... Unfortunately, the armor is just a gigantic swing and a miss. Um... I definitely think they should have just waited until they could bring it back right. Because in my opinion, it didn't. They didn't bring it back right. They brought it back in like a real uh, sort of disappointing way. Because to me, it's an automatic shard, and I'm not alone in this. Now, maybe when Bungie rolled the you know rolled the dice on it, they were like, "Ooh, the lighthouse sun looks really good on it," on the dire promise. Maybe Bungie rolled the dice on it, and they were like, "You know what?" They were like. Most of the community is just going to be happy to see the armor coming back, you know? They'll just be happy to see the armor coming back. Oh, yay, I got this faction or that faction. Cool. I don't know if they were correct in thinking that. I mean, the average casual player might not be paying any any hoot and holler about the, the, the seasonal artifact, the seasonal mod slot, but they kind of hurt themselves in two ways. Number one, it doesn't have the slot. So it just, like, from a UI standpoint, it looks inferior. It's like, this has less. It's almost jarring. You're like, wait, what's missing here? Even if you don't even pay that much attention to it, you know, you're like, well, what's missing here? There's something, there's something not right. If you are paying attention to it, it's a double whammy because you're like, well, the, one of the best ways to make the Seraph weapons, the new weapons this season, one of the best ways to take advantage of them and make them awesome is to run the Seraph mods, and I can't do that on any of the artif- on any of the uh, the faction armor you brought back. I don't know. It is it is a strikeout. They just swung and missed on this. Should have waited to bring it back. You could have brought back the weapons first and then done the armor next season. So I don't know if they can push out this quality of life update anytime soon, but Dylan indicated on Twitter they heard our feedback on this. I think there's been a resounding WTF about this. Like, why did you guys even do this? It's just pointless. You add this whole new... like. And there's a third element to it that makes it frustrating, right? It's like, you just you just added this Armor 2.0, got everybody excited. You did the seasonal mod slot. It kind of frustrated people last season because they couldn't do Charge of Light right away. So this season, you're like, hey, guess what? We are going to loosen up the restrictions on seasonal mod slots. That's a great quality of life feature, right? Oh, yeah, you're making seasonal mods more viable and more exciting. That's cool. Why does this armor not have it? It's like they made it worse on themselves. You know, they made it worse on themselves. They drew a bunch of attention to seasonal mods in the seasonal mod slot, only to not have it on the faction armor. Um, so they kind of they kind of chopped their own legs off by doing that. It's like they brought attention to it, made it better, but then didn't put it on a lot of the armor that they brought back. <clears throat> well, any of the armor that they brought back. Well, the, ti- the I'm sorry, the Trials armor they brought back has it. Uh, the Nightman says... Is the fourth horseman live up to its former glory? I like it. I haven't used it a ton, but it feels really fitting for the public space, especially legendary lost sectors. It felt kind of nice too. Bunkers, it's nice. Everything's kind of close. I don't know if you're going to want to take it into a grandmaster nightfall because closing gaps there is a really, really bad idea. Sultan, if I delete a character with terrible KD, will my stats disappear? Probably not. I think it's account based. A little psycho. Hey, Lono, I'm sorry if this is off topic, but I miss your leveling discussion. It seems the artifact 
is point-based leveling system and i'm wondering on what are your thoughts would have been for gear to drop at base level and power level awarded through a point system instead of gear rng i don't really feel like engaging with this idea i've already outlined what i think they need to do with leveling you're asking me to engage with a completely new and different system that is incredibly unlikely to ever be added to the game um so i'm just going to move past your question remorse 91 Hey Lono, I have a friend in particular who keeps having a black emblem issue and getting kicked uh, from this activity. Obviously, we can all agree this game has gotten progressively buggier after Shadowkeep. I am sad to agree with you on that. Do you think maybe Bungie needs to take a step back and problem solve before making more content? If things are this bad, will they? What will they look like in six months? Well, you have to understand something. That who, like if there's a team right now in a room and they're they're just slamming out code for the next event in the summer. You know, there's some event they're going to have in the summer. There's no reason to take them off of that. That's, it's not their job to refine what's been delivered or to refine what's problematic. So there is no like, all right, Bungie, take a step back and stop working on content and start fixing this stuff. Um, it also probably doesn't help that a lot of them are working from home. I mean, we are in a unique situation right now that um, will... It, it could affect... It could affect updates and patches um working from home seems to be working okay they already did an update uh they already did an update where it was supposed to fix some of the disconnects it's made it a little bit better but it's still rough so yeah i I agree with you it needs addressed okay but i don't think it means they need to like stop production on everything because that's generally not how it works anyway there's support teams that help refine this stuff they're not building strikes and activities and guns like they're literally hired to be a support team for the game and to help push out patches and debug and stuff golden 25 do you think bungie is walking uh, away for adding intrinsic champion perks on exotic weapons after the community feedback in Shadowkeep that all the exotics should have the mod slot. Shadowkeep and Undying have three guns. Dawn has one, but one was a bug. Worthy has zero so far. Yeah, and they even said Unstoppable in the trailer for the <laughs> for the Fourth Horseman, so we thought it was going to get better. Coach says, I think there are more problems because of the constant adding and removing in the seasonal model. I happen to think you're right. I think that is related to it. It's not just the adding, it's the adding and the taking away. It's a lot, it's more moving parts. It's more moving parts and more close together than they've ever done that sort of thing. So I think Coach has got one of the one of the causes of the symptoms that we're seeing. It's probably not the only cause, but it's, I think it's likely to be one of the causes. So, um, whenever, whenever I look at the exotics and I look at the champion thing, I feel like we're facing something where some of these weapons were probably in development before the champion stuff was 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 trotted out. Like you have to you have to you have to accept this as a reality. This doesn't mean like Bungie's cheating, but the fourth horseman might have been built and specced and tested, I don't know, last summer. And they didn't have anywhere to put it. So it's built, it's ready to go, it's awesome. We don't want to do anything with it. It's great. Let's just ship it and let's let's shove it in somewhere else. And they didn't have time to go back and like rework it or add a mod slot. Like adding mod slots to exotics might take more time than than we even know. I, I again, I don't know. A lot of the times these things are already built. So and the fact that the symmetry had it by accident it tells me that they're doing something. Something is going on. They're going to be doing something with 
exotics and champion mods or champion abilities and maybe the symmetry was like a mistake they were testing something and it, like and they forgot to disable it or something and it shipped that way i don't know that what happened with symmetry seems to be almost like a, a hint that like they've got ideas on how they want to do this they just haven't done it yet next question from small soldiers do you think there are too many currencies in destiny could they be scaled back and how i, I in general i think just take all the planetary materials and put them in the box so if you right now go to the season pass go to the season pass and go to the level 8 level 8 on the season pass is a destination resource bundle it's literally a box with all the resources in it Um, just do that just unify the planetary resources there's no reason not to the only place they're used is for purchasing what currency from spider conversion and then upgrade modules like they that those currencies can be consolidated that would help uh after that i don't know that consolidates like what like eight currencies just like that you'd remove seven currencies by doing that i think it'd be a great place to start next question from lxl says how do you think that the new cabal exotic gun will be introduced hidden quests or dungeon type mission i think it's gonna be like whisper zero hour yeah sweatpants it's been a week or so now still having the same feelings about the season I definitely feel better. I still have my concerns about the player base walking away in two to three weeks because they're going to feel the pain of leveling and they're not going to be able to engage in the content. D-Gamist. With how the bounties are this season, seasonal content, allowing you to do them either in PvP or PvE, do you think these types of bounties will become more normative for future seasonal content and seasonal events? Yeah, I also think they need to be unified in this way. You or your fire team. It, it should say that. You or your fire team get shotgun kills. You or your fire team kill fallen. Great! I can now play strikes and just enjoy myself and not get agitated that I needed one more grenade kill and I threw my grenade in its midair and somebody wiped them all out and now the strike is over. I'm done with my strike milestone. I'm done with my strike playlist and I need one more grenade kill and strikes. Awesome. Sweet right that's afk heaven though no you'd have to be in proximity kizzo that's the way it works now if i'm next to you there are bounties that work shared there are things that work shared but i have to be like next to you when it's happening i can't afk it like that wouldn't work it's you you'd apply the uh the assist rule to it it's got it's got to almost proc and assist you gotta be like right there I'm not going to tell you about a person that did this at the loot cave and rubber banded their controller so they would run up against a rock and kind of bounce and then they'd get home and there'd be a bunch of engrams on the ground because that would be wrong to do that. You know, to do, to put yourself in proximity of people to get assists on the loot cave, that's, that's like a double, that's like a double whammy, you know? It's, it not only is it the loot cave, but you're AFKing the loot cave. Like, how could somebody do something so low? Um, anyway... So yeah, I, I I think that'd be a great way, uh, a, a great way to do that. To me, um, bounties, bounties need to, bounties need to do two things. They need to have the option of PvP and PVE. I think that's a great choice. Obviously, if you're getting them from Zavala or you're getting them from some from Shacks, yes, those should be for that activity. Like trials bounties, you have to do in trials. Crucible bounties and Vanguard bounties, you have to do in those respective playlists. But like the seasonal bounties, yes, they should be you or your fire team in, you know, 
strikes in PvP. Um, and I personally think that all bounties should say you or your fire team. Like, who the frick cares? You you or your fire team get get 25 headshot kills. Who cares? If I'm standing next to the guy and we're both shooting somebody and he gets the final shot, kaboom, headshot. Great, good for you. Awesome. So thankful that you just elongated my bounty grind for the day. Great. Really promoting so much camaraderie. I'm getting annoyed with somebody doing what they're supposed to do. That's not the mental state you want to put a player in. I'm annoyed by the players around me. So I I just go and hide in a lost sector. It happened today. People are like, yeah, Lono, just go to uh, Altar of Sorrows. There's tons of enemies. And you can get kills with your uh, your fourth horseman there fill the, to fill the, the catalyst. Oh, okay, let me do that. Within 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes, within 5 minutes I was annoyed. Because I'm, I'm shooting through dead bodies. I go to shoot and somebody run, you know, throws a grenade and I shoot and the guy's already dead. It's like, clunk, oh, he's dead, clunk, oh, he's dead. Oh, man, come on, I'm wasting my ammo. So what did I do? I just went to a lost sector predictable, reliable heavy is good, heavy is reliable you know, it's like I know I know how many I can get you get mad at your friends yeah, it's like I would rather just go into a strike grab my bounties, it doesn't matter if you're getting the arc kills or if I'm getting the arc kills, we're getting arc kills, so my bounties are going up, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that sense of oh it's so great to play with other people and guess what if you're solo and you're matchmaking into strikes, no big deal. Same rules apply. You or your fire team. That's your fire team. It doesn't have to be a pre-made fire team. Nice snatch quote. Ooh, somebody caught it. <laughs> if it doesn't work, you could always hit him with it. <laughs> uh, five, 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 six. With every season being $10, when is it reasonable to expect a raid or a dungeon? I think raids and dungeons are annual. They're annual. Once a year. Um, I do Zavala bounties in the OG Nightfalls. Yeah, by yourself. By yourself. If 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 they're wanting to lean into MMORPG, the two first letters are real important. Massive multiplayer. It's so antithetical to multiplayer to be like, welcome to the new season, everything's better by yourself. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> We really want to improve social. Luke Smith says they want to improve social. When he says they want to invest in the MMO RPG feel of the game, he says we want to give you more stats and we want to improve social. You're not improving social by making everybody feel that living in a lost sector is the best way to do everything. <laughs> it's <laughs> a couple of tweaks to bounties would completely change the feeling. And you know what? Think about it like this. The leveling if they attack this from so many places, it'd be so much better. If they attack the leveling to where leveling was smart RNG, I would feel more empowered to go into strikes or even Gambit or Crucible knowing smart RNG is going to help me level, okay? Also, I'm going to feel a whole lot better knowing like, dude, I can go into strikes, I can grab all these bounties, grab some homies, and we go. The bounties are getting completed. I have to change my weapons here and there. That's fine. Maybe use a sidearm for a little bit or something. That's not that big of a deal. We're going in. I'm completing the bounties. That's helping out my artifact. That's helping out my level. That's um, giving me a sense of accomplishment. That's completing the milestone for Zavala. I'm completing the milestone in the strike, and I'm leveling, and smart RNG is working. 
they tighten some of these these bolts, and I don't think people would feel like, oh, here we go again, got a level, bad RNG, bounties are just sucking the life out of me. You wouldn't think that way because it would be a lot less, like, it wouldn't feel like tedious homework. It would just be you playing the game. If you want to create specific lanes for something, make it be loot. You want raid loot? You want trials loot? You got to go in those environments. It's like, you want to level and you want to do bounties? Well, you're going to get really annoyed, probably. Um, first, the weekly Vanguard bounty is Ark, and the burn for strikes is Solar. Figure that one out. Huh? What? Okay. And while you're working on this bounty, you're using a weapon that's not in line with the burn of the strike, so that feels kind of stupid. Oh, and since you're killing a little bit slower because you're not using an element that's in line with the burn of the strikes, you're going to get a lot of your kills stolen, so your progression on the bounty will be slowed. It's just, they just, they're punching you. They just keep, it's like jab, jab, jab. It's like, oh, forget it. And then you'll finish your milestone and you'll get gauntlets and you don't need gauntlets. You gotta tighten all these bolts down. Smart RNG, make the bounties work in a fire team, and and those two things alone would make so much more. And make the bounties har- harmonize with the weekly settings. Don't give me a bounty to get 150 art kills when it's a solar burn strike playlist. That there is nothing else to call that. That's dumb. if they would tighten some of those bolts I really think people like oh leveling's not that bad yeah bounties aren't that bad yeah it's a lot better it's so much better Bungie's great at this right they introduce some pain and some frustration and then they relieve it later and we're like oh this is so much better I think they need to do that right now with strikes I'm sorry not strikes with bounties and leveling so always love hanging out here thank you Smirky thanks for two months your emotes are so adorable who did those Austin Lee do you think, since Microsoft and Sony are revealing the specs for the next consoles, do you think Bungie will optimize D2 to run at 60 FPS or keep it at 30? I believe there will be a frame rate and FOV increase in Destiny 2 on the new consoles. They are already making work for that. They said that they were uh, updating the specifically the settings UI to match PC for future updates. I don't know what the frick else that could be about. <laughs> so it's like... I think you're going to get an FOV and frame rate increase uh, when you move to the new systems, and they're harmonizing that now to add those updates later. Um, so, I feel like that writing's on the wall. And if someone's going to be like, "Well, that's not fair," if I'm playing on Xbox One and I play against somebody on a Series X and they have more frame rate than me, that's not fair. Yeah, well, PC deals with that all the time. So, welcome to the big leagues. Like, I could play right now against somebody with. 200 something frames a second and I have 120 there are people playing on weaker PCs that are in the 60 and 80 frames per second and they're playing against people like me they're in the 120s like welcome to the big leagues um, oh I, I'm sorry thank you for drawing that to my attention I skipped a question I'm so sorry about that cream what do you think about Bungie doing things like removing sword skating and decreasing sniper damage and so on it feels like though they're ruining parts of the game and there's absolutely no reason for it like forcing uh, them forcing three phase from my experience with LFGs on the final garden boss for example doesn't add anything more to the game it only makes it less fun in my opinion I'm going to say this in a way that's going to sound like I'm being mean but I'm not okay I want to I want to preface this 
I believe your question has something in it that feels there's a threat of being spoiled here. I'm not being mean to you and saying you're spoiled like a spoiled brat. Let me make my case. I believe endgame content has spoiled us to the point there if we don't one phase something, we're like, frick this. You shouldn't be one phasing bosses regularly. Um, I think two phase is totally fine. Now, if you're three phasing on LFG, I don't know why you're doing that. I think a two phase is is pretty reasonable with enhanced relay defender and you know getting everybody positioned and synced up. I think a two phase is pretty reasonable. Rather the machine was really hard to one phase access, even if you really maximized and slammed the plates. It was almost always a two phase. I think we've gotten super spoiled. Right? Like I get where you're coming from. This is like this is like menagerie all over again. Menagerie let you run back and forth and get like eight weapons, and when they took that glitch away, everyone was like, "Oh, it sucks! This content sucks! Can you believe this, Dave?" It's like if that glitch wouldn't have existed, you'd have been like, "This is great content. This is really this is the really great targeted farm." But because you got spoiled by that drop rate, you're like, "Oh, this sucks! I don't want to play this." So. Now it's like, you got so used to one phase, now when you don't get the one phase, you're like, oh, Bungie ruined all of our fun. Not really. They've reined things in to be more reasonable. Sweatsicle was three-phasing Garden last night. It's the final boss fight, though. Look at Oryx. Oryx was always four phases. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I Again... Why do you think you should always be going into a final boss fight and and two-phasing it or one-phasing it? Like, Axis is another good example. A lot of times we had to three-phase Axis. We, would, we wouldn't get good damage on the first run. Something weird would happen. Somebody would kind of fumble it up. And all of a sudden we're like, nah, that's not enough for a two-phase. And we'd have to three-phase it. I... I don't know. It's the final boss. It's the final boss in a... In, in what's... This is where the community talks out of both sides of their mouth. Uh, content's a joke, man. So easy. None of this is hard. We're doing a raid in like 45 minutes. This is a joke. And then Bungie's like, we're going to rain some stuff in. You guys are literally melting the final boss in garden in, in, in one phase every time. Oh, come on. What is this? I got to survive for three phases. I got to be good enough to survive three phases. This is ridiculous. This isn't any fun. Okay, wait. Which... Uh, who, who, who are we talking to? Like, which... Which... Which endgame player am I talking to? Am I talking to the endgame player that thinks everything is cheap, stupid, and easy? Or am I talking to the endgame player that wants everything to be one phase? Like, who who is it? Who am I talking to? Like, now the question we would ask is, are the mid lane raiders suddenly struggling, right? Are they suddenly struggling and it's taking like four and five phases? I don't know. If, if, if it's having a trickle-down effect like that, the, the question I would have is... Is it deserved? You know, are they playing sloppy? Are they dying a lot? Are they not synergizing on their damage? You know, for me, it's so hard to like remove my experience in the game out of my brain. So like when I go into a room like that, I'm like, this isn't hard. I do this. I do that. I go stand here. I shoot him in a crit spot. Like what? How is this hard to time? And if I got to stay alive for two phases or three phases instead of one, like I'm going to be honest with you. Almost every time we ran Garden, it was a two-phase. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not redeem. I'm not playing with redeem. I'm just playing with people from the stream. We almost always two-phased it, and we were never like biting our nails, like, "Oh man, if we have to go to a third phase, it's gonna really suck." 
you know and so now if we have if i went in there and typically had to three phase it i would be like it's a raid boss it's a final raid boss i mean it, I, I don't know that that was my experience at axis a lot pretty consistent two phase sometimes we had to three phase him you know we two phased him last night with no issue yeah so again i i I don't want to sound mean but like you just kind of sound spoiled you're like you're going into the final boss fight in a raid and getting like i can't believe we have to do three phases of this most boss fights are designed with that in mind because the soft enrage happens during what like the fourth phase i don't know like think about that for a second when does enrage happen is it after four i mean if you're one and two phasing, you're not even getting anywhere near what they think is like the the limitation of how long the fight should go. <laughs> you're not even coming close. It's after three. Okay. It's like they're basically saying this is par, this is beyond par, if you're thinking about golf, right? Three is par, four is beyond par, five, you're dead. He's just going to wipe all of you. Um,. I may have done that wrong on the math, but you get the point. Like one and two phases, you're not even coming close to what's considered like par. You're always, you're always eagle birdie, eagle birdie every time, every time. I don't know. Endgame content, I don't necessarily think is ruined by making you not just destroy a boss like it's nothing. Um, I never felt that way at Axis. I never felt that way in Garden of Salvation when we had to do two or three phases. I never felt that way. I was like, this is a raid raid boss. You know? Now, you think it's fun to, like, one phase it. I'm not going to deny that it's fun. I'm not going to try to take away your your affinity and your sentimentality. It is pretty fun to watch your health bar just go, like... It's like a game of Gambit. You know what I'm saying? It's a raid boss. You're just like, just killing him. Um, I, I'm not going to deny that it's fun. Is it what's best for endgame raid content? I don't think we could say yes to that question. I think we'd have to say, no, I don't think so. I don't think this is good. This isn't good for endgame raid content. It feels like a game of Gambit. I just referenced Gambit. Like, you're killing a raid boss as fast as somebody kills a boss in Gambit. That doesn't feel dumb to you? I don't know. That kind of feels dumb to me. <laughs> Austin, do you think Microsoft Sony revealing? Already answered. Domo. Because I had to go back to Cream's question. Domo, do you think that if Bungie wants to sunset weapons, we should get weapons that people would enjoy using? At the moment, weapons are cool, but the perk rolls are not the best. I've continued to say that that's probably coming and starting in September. Luke Smith even indicated that they want to do this so they can create better weapons at the tip of the pyramid. That kid, Razor. What's your take on map voting in quick play and vanguard strikes? It uh, would be nice, but I'm not. it's not a front burner issue. Coaster King. In your opinion, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts of season of the worthy, and what do you think they expect later in the season? That's too generic. I'm sorry, uh, Jigsaw. Do you have any idea why so many exotics don't have catalyst yet? For example, Chaperone has been in the game for over a year and doesn't have a catalyst. I have zero clue or even a guess as to why that's happening. Uh, Erd says Fourth Horseman is outlines all the problems with shotguns at the moment but a lot of casual players are acting like it's good they brought it back but tba this is not a question do not do that please it's called q a not complain in a uh high life do you think that there are less exotics with better focus i don't know what you mean ultima omni slash 
With the overall positive changes to swords this season, do you still feel that they are better served in the energy slot? I do. Yep, I do. They're great, but I still don't feel like they're worth using. The bot, like, I'm gonna do a video on swords. I'm gonna do a little bit more experimentation with block timing, but I still feel like swords just absolutely suck because of boss stomp. Um, I I just feel like I'm getting ping ponged around anytime I try to use them. I just feel like they would make way more sense as a close quarters shotgun replacer. Um, and I guess they'd have to do something about stun lock. Because you can stun lock a boss with them. I, I don't think you should be able to stun lock a boss with a sword if it's an energy weapon. <clears throat> Excuse me. What do you think about Bungie making more pinnacle drops in strikes and PvP? Do you think that they should redo strike loot? That's coming mid-season. They're going to expand the sources for... Uh, they're going to expand the sources for Pinnacle. So people in chat are saying, swords are incredible, guard when they stomp. Like I said, I preface it by saying, I need to do more experimentation. At the time, at right now, when I use them, I'm kind of like, ah, I'll just use Wendigo or another grenade launcher or something. Um, it just feels safer. More consistent. Again, I'm getting ping-ponged around. Getting physics always kind of like tilts me. I'm like, can you stop knocking me back 20 yards? Um... Fusion Catalyst. What do you think about having an option to invite players to your fire team at the end of a match made activity to solo players find regular people to play with? Homie, you you can do this. You have 30 seconds. Can't you click on their name on the scoreboard and do this? Now, they could streamline this. I'll agree with this. They could streamline it. There could literally be a button next to their name that says click to invite to fire team or something. If you're like, oh, that was a pretty good run. Boom. Invite them. Right? You could do that. Yeah. Because if the button was there, again, if, if Luke Smith wants to improve social, that's a pretty easy way to improve social. Man, we really went through there. That was great. Those guys actually understood the ball mechanic, you know, in the in the taking, you know, throwing the ball back and forth. What is that? Uh, the corrupted strike, right? Like, oh, they actually understood how to do that. I'm going to send these guys an invite. They know what they're doing. <clears throat> Instead of a 30-second cooldown, a fixed after-match screen where you could do stuff like this? Yeah, I like that idea. I would co-sign on that idea. I think that'd be good. On Steam, you gotta go friend the guy first. Oh, you do? Well, Bungie could build that internally, couldn't they? Just send an invite? Because with the join ID, they could do that in the background, I would think. Clicking on his name would essentially, in the background, do join ID, and you'd, you'd join him. They already let you do that. I don't have to be your friend to join you. I can. I just need your join ID. They could code that in the background. Uh, Scott Rock. Follow up to the answer about sharing bounty progress between the fire team. Are there any bounty types that you think shouldn't work this way? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna say no. Most uh, we. Oh, also, we were talking about bounties that are seasonal and Vanguard and Crucible and Gambit. I don't know if there would be bounties outside of that purview that I think you'd be like, nope, can't share them. Can't do that. Mm, Maybe trials bounties? Maybe, because those are more individual. Super MG. Do you believe there is going to be a way to farm the season pass weapons like there was in the last season? Well, there's more bunkers, homie, so probably. Because how many bounties are in the one we have now? There's four bounties. How many weapons are there? Seven? So, you skip question 45... Um, nope, I just answered it. Incorrect. Risky. One of your opinions that damage from weapons should be scaled to your power level, 
not how much damage the weapon does. Making one-phasing bosses possible, but only after having put enough time to do so in the power level increase. No. No. I, I just... I just, like... I don't know. The idea that the idea that you're going to be able to one phase a raid boss just because you've done something extra. I don't If you're going to one phase a raid boss, it needs to be super finesse and super super rare. You know? It needs it, giving giving you increased power just cuz you've like you've what put in enough time to do so and made power higher, that doesn't make sense to me. No. I, I think one phasing raid bosses in general needs to go away how about a stay as a team button balatorn that's pretty good yeah stay as a team my only concern there would be is if somebody's not paying attention maybe they stepped away they come back and see the invite and they're like oh yeah those guys are really good you know and then they have a chance to kind of redeem it i guess right at the end of the strike you wouldn't think they'd be like oh we're done and put the controller down like run away most people be like oh yeah that was good stay with team yes boom i like that i like that that's good that would really streamline it. Because um, Bungie could do that. It's not hard. That would probably make matchmaking go smoother anyway. You're not taking three people and just spitting them back into matchmaking. You're like, no, these three people like each other. They're going to carry on to the next. If only two people say it, it's a two-man fire team. They carry on to the next and then fill. And then, over time, you could just absorb people. You know, you and your buddy could be having a good night you know, running strikes and you run into some guy that's just, just killing it and knows what he's doing. You're like, Dude, let's get this guy. Before you know it, you ran you know five or six strikes with him and had a good time. I think I think that'd be a great stay as a team would be a great feature. Um, with the addition of repeatable bounties from Shadowkeep, they're very useless to use for the amount of stuff that they want you to do. In your opinion, what do you think the, about the Warmind bounties and the repeatable bounties? Right now, I think bounties are fine because they set a trajectory with Shadowkeep that's going to continue for the following year. I believe that in September, they're going to start doing this. They're going to tweak XP to where XP earn rate from activities is more in line with what you do in the activity. So it'll trickle down from like raid, dungeon, nightfall, strike, you know, so public events and lost sectors won't give you much. And the more, the higher up the echelon you go, you get more activity XP. Bounty XP is going to be hemmed in. I think they're going to rein in bounty XP so that it's a great addition, but it's not like, dude, man, you got to grind them bounties. You know, you gotta ground them bounties. I don't I don't think so. I don't I don't think that's gonna be a um, a continued thing. Luke Smith indicated that in his director's cut. That they don't like the idea of like the best way to level is to run back and forth in a lost sector. <laughs> you know? So that's gonna do it. Plenty of questions. I'm gonna keep streaming. Don't go anywhere, but those listening elsewhere, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always come in and catch me live. Uh, and if not, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about the fourth horseman uh, that landed in Destiny the second week of Season of the Worthy. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. If you're on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, the bell button. All those things are really, really helpful. Also, if you want to listen to these episodes on those other locations, you should look up SNTR Presents on all the podcast locations. So I'm going to briefly just quickly run through the quest steps in case you're curious what they are. You may be looking for the quest steps. This is not a quest step video, but I'm going to glide over them very very quickly then I'm going to talk about the gun how it feels I use it in a couple of places to see how much I liked it then I'm going to end by talking about the catalyst I did get the catalyst uh, unfortunately I got it really really fast chat was kind of triggered and then I just filled it by you know killing things in a lost sector so I'm going to walk through the quest steps 
Uh, the first thing, if you run into issues with the quest steps, you may be in the tower and the, the waypoint's not working right. You might need to go to re, you know, go to orbit and re-instance. That did happen with me. Go back down. You're going to walk through like a door, go through a little mazy area, and it, you're kind of entering this vault, and then you're going to go back to Zavala. After that, uh, you're going to you're gonna talk to him. You're going to then have to go talk to Anna Bray. And then when you're on Mars, you're going to have to like kill Cabal or complete public events. It goes, it's, as far as I can tell, it goes the fastest if you just keep doing wave one of Escalation Protocol again this is a reason why I feel like Escalation Protocol kind of needs updated it's really abusive I think to like the public space to be like activating wave 1 and then leaving uh, completing wave 1 and then just continuing to do that over and over again is better than I think running the whole thing because each wave subsequently takes longer and longer in Escalation Protocol so you're going to get diminishing returns on your efficiency so we just kept running wave 1 um, and then we had to return uh, to Oh, well, I guess first you want to kill Cabal, then you do the next effect. And then you get in the shadows. Uh, you got to gather intel by killing Scions and opening planetary chests. That one doesn't take very long either. You just kind of run around, kill Scions. The chests are worth a lot, so you could get a ghost to kind of find those. Uh, once you've completed all of her quests, you go back to the tower and you speak to Benedict. And then he's going to have you do things on the EDZ. And you need to defeat enemies, run patrols, and complete public events. We found the fastest way to do this was to go to an area that had a public event on the way, do all the patrols, and then do a heroic public event, and then go to the next one. And then while you're waiting for the public event to show up, you you know hit the flag, and then do all the patrols in the area. By the time you're done doing all the patrols in the area, it's probably time for the public event. Do it heroic. That seemed to make it go the fastest. The public tower event just takes way too long, and you don't get that much of a percentage of a difference. I think it's about the same as if you're just running a normal public event. Some of the normal public events go really, really fast, like the servitor and the glimmer and all that glimmer is actually kind of one of the slower ones actually the walker tanks and the servers tend to go a little bit faster uh even the drill is pretty fast it's always the same rhythm you know a couple of scions then a boss um but the tower public event was actually pretty slow uh then you gotta do go back to benedict and then he's gonna tell you to do the legendary lost sector now when you watch this on YouTube, you might have missed your chance to do the Legendary Lost Sector Quarry. They thankfully fixed this because it was looking like it was going to be a time-gated quest, which I was kind of okay with. Everybody complained last season about the the Devil's Ruin being way too fast. This one was a little bit longer, a little bit more grindy, and then they were going to be like, oh, come back whenever it's Quarry. I was glad. I told people I thought it was a mistake. I was like, we literally just came off of Quarry. I think this was just an oversight. Somebody kind of forgot that, oh no, Quarry's going to rotate out whenever this thing comes into rotation. They fixed it, I think, within like an hour. It was actually pretty fast response time from Bungie. It's good to see that whenever something like this happens, them acting quickly. So you then run the Quarry Legendary Lost Sector, and you literally just get the gun for doing that. So that's the quest. I actually thought the quest was pretty good. It's decent in length, pretty straightforward. It's not that difficult. I feel like it kind of fits the seasonal model. And, it, and it, you know, it's not the devil's ruin where you can like, go listen to audio. There's also a spectrum of exotic quests. People need to remember that. I still think there's going to be a secret one this season with the... Um, the slug thrower, the cabal slug thrower, I believe is going to be a hidden exotic quest. There'll be some bunker or one of the bunkers is going to turn into a bigger bunker where it's like a puzzle that we're solving or something. And then we're going to find this, this weird cabal weapon that only the centurions have been, you know, wielding up to this time. So let's talk about the gun. I actually really like the gun. I loved the gun in D1. It was especially nice if it was an arc burn specialist airborne uh, you know, modifier combination. You could jump in the air and get a ridiculous amount of buffs because the arc would be buffed, the specialist would be buffed, and then you get a buff for being airborne. Uh, so I actually really liked it in D1. I thought it was fun in the right circumstances. And I tried it in the public tower event. 
and it was dope I actually thought it was great for those bosses. I mean, you shove it in their gut and give them the give them that clunk 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 clunk. I mean, it 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 really hurts them pretty well. I still think swords are really really preferable on this public event, but that's the beauty of it being a secondary weapon, an energy weapon. You can run this and then just run a sword. You kind of have two weapons sort of built for this public space event. It's nice and saucy. It can kill these guys quickly if you need to, and then you got the sword to stun lock. And then the ammo economy is a little bit easier to control uh, because it's green. Green's dropping more often. You can run the special ammo finisher that only takes about a 30 year super I was running it with the other one as well the one that gives you energy from shotgun kills so if you run an arc mark you can get uh, the pump action so you're getting you know the super energy from shotgun kills and then you can get the uh the, the special ammo finisher. You can also run heavy-handed still if you've got armor that you can throw heavy-handed on. I was running heavy-handed. Heavy-handed gives you, uh, it generates ammo for you if you're using your shotgun while surrounded by people. So there's going to be some fun combinations, I think, for this to kind of run in, in some of the more challenging content. But there's a hang-up. It's another weapon. It's another exotic that, unfortunately feels like it doesn't have any footing in the end game especially if there are champions present uh, i would say putting unstoppable on this would have been the right call they even used the word unstoppable in the trailer video so i think everybody was kind of disappointed you don't get it from the catalyst i'm gonna talk about the catalyst in a second uh, putting unstoppable on this i think would have been the right call it, it's another one of those times where I feel like they're developing things in a vacuum, so the fourth horseman was probably developed a while ago, maybe even before they conceived of the idea of champions, or maybe champions and the champion modifiers were not fully fleshed out whenever they designed this. I feel like at the very least, anytime exotics come out from this point forward, they should have something intrinsic for champion mods. If it's a primary exotic, it should have a slot for the champion mods. I don't know. Somebody's saying, I used it with a thousand level nightfall and with four shots, the champions were dead. Okay, well, that's good feedback from chat. I I mean, it it still might have footing in endgame, but I still feel like being able to interact with champions is something that I would like to see more often on exotics because it still feels like they're sort of softly sidelined, even though we're hearing that it's actually pretty effective against the champions. My concern would be that the harder the content gets, the harder it's going to be to, you know, just decimate those champions. You're going to have to interact with their their stun mechanics, whether it's an anti-barrier or an unstoppable. So, I, I like the gun, though. I really do. I think it feels really, really good in the content right now, because it's a lot of barrel stuffing, it's a lot of cabal, it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, close quarters combat, and it's really suited, I think, well for what we're doing, especially in the public space. So, I'm enjoying it, especially with the Catalyst. Let's talk about the Catalyst. If you want to get the Catalyst, you are going to want to farm, I think, the Legendary Lost Sector. That seems to be the best way to do it. You can kind of speed run the Legendary Lost Sector, especially if you can spawn the robots and the and the javelins. We just kind of run past everything. If there's unstoppable enemies in there, it's not that hard to stun them and then just keep on going. And then just go and try and kill the boss. It's really easy to kill the boss if you rush all the way there, spawn the big, you know, the heavy frame robot, kind of let him take the brunt of the action, and then just go open up the chest. Luckily for me, I got it after two attempts. Everybody was kind of ticked. They were like, oh, it's streamer loot. He got it after two attempts. And uh, (laughs) it was kind of funny to get it that quickly. I know people were probably pretty tilted. Some people took like 30 or 40 runs, but that's how you get it. Now, once you get it and want to, you know, fill it, there's a variety of places you can go to get endless enemies. Some people said Altar of Sorrows. I don't like going anywhere where there's other people because they tend to steal the kills by accident. They're not being mean. It's just kind of the nature of the combat. And so 
a lot of people are using the whisper section where you can go and get the endless enemies some people are using the bad juju mission with the endless dogs some folks are using i think shattered throne going to a place where it's just endless enemies I ran, there's the Mars Lost Sector, and then there's the Altar of Sorrows Lost Sector, which is a really, really good sort of injection of enemies. There's just a bunch of them right there, and they're not that hard to reset. I don't run the whole Lost Sector. Uh, Somebody from chat was running the Mars Lost Sector, the northern one, and they were running the whole thing and getting like 13%. I was running the one on on the moon where you first go in. There's just a bunch of acolytes. It's in Ultra Sorrows area, and I kill all the acolytes in the night, and then I run back and reset. It didn't take me that long at all. It went fairly quickly. Now I would encourage you to run the build that I just outlined while filling it. If you run special ammo finisher, which requires one third of your super, alongside of pump action you'll always have your you'll always have your finisher available to generate ammo and then if you run the uh, heavy-handed perk it's basically endless ammo you're constantly killing enemies with enemies around you and getting the ammo back that makes the process of filling the catalyst for the fourth horseman just a little bit better and the catalyst is actually pretty nice considering this perk right here broadside each successive shot has more damage and spread and then the catalyst adds an additional round to the magazine and increase reload speed so that's kind of nice you get that extra shot get a little bit more damage one more shot to put out there with five in the magazine and then it basically doubles the reload speed which is kind of nice because now you know when you empty the thing it's not that hard to fill it back up a little tip when you're trying to fill the catalyst for good ammo economy once you're in the reload cycle i just kept pushing fire because it shoots pretty quickly in the middle of the reload cycle and then you're only using one bullet it's hard it can be kind of touchy not to get it to do the double fire the doom doom and then if it's always empty and you're throwing in one and just shooting right away one in there shooting right away tends to be a little bit better ammo economy you only need one one round for pretty much every enemy that you're killing so I liked the gun, thought the quest was pretty good, thought it fit well with the seasonal model, it wasn't super long and arduous, but it also wasn't super duper short like Devil's Ruin, and the gun is actually pretty fun and seems built for a lot of the combat situations that were in this season, so... We're going to transition now to Q&A. If you're listening or watching in all the other locations, I greatly appreciate that. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. 